Sports and Alpha by Benji Mellers is available on Amazon. Order your copy of Sandborn's Boys today. Oh, I already started. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so we'll start with that. Uh, we found on March 3rd, uh, the worst tweet of all time was tweeted out by at JackTodd46. Uh, everyone else can stop trying now. Twitter is over because uh, worst tweet has been achieved officially, which is, of course, the goal of that platform. Uh, JackTodd, for those of you who don't know, is a sports writer with the Montreal Gazette and has been for many, many years. And he tweeted on March 3rd, the Canadians have almost caught Florida. Give them the eight points they dropped to Detroit and they're ahead of the Leafs. Third in the division, add four more they lost to the Devils and they're rock solid. So the problem is not talent. Snapping, snapping, snapping for this for this wonderful yeah. tweet. Uh, uh, so I was thinking maybe uh, not much going on with the Canadians these days. Perhaps we could could break down this this absolute masterpiece. What do you think? Sure, absolutely. Let's get it going. Uh, so uh, look, I can't believe he's come up with this absolute airtight logic. Uh, we might as well hand the halves the Stanley Cup at this point in the year. Uh, because uh, and, and the President's Trump, President's Cup, uh, President's Trophy. Because you know if they beat Detroit. They beat all those other teams that they lost. They, they don't blow any leads. They don't actually, uh, they don't fall behind in any games. Uh, I think they'd be, they'd be running at a perfect record at this point in the season, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, one, one of the things, I want to start how uh, oh, this tweet starts with the Canadians have almost caught Florida, and Florida is uh, is five points out of the playoffs right now, as if that's a, a, some sort of grand achievement to catch the Panthers, who I think... Uh, are on a, a terrible slump, actually, since the All-Star break. And uh, the one thing everyone else seems to be pointing out is that the fact that they lost to the worst team of the 21st century four times in a row in the Red Wings is somehow an indicator that the problem is not uh, is not talent. Whereas, in fact, uh, the lack of high-end offensive talent, talent is, uh, I'm sure almost all of us agree, the number one issue with this team and the main reason why they aren't anywhere near the playoffs at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just we can take a look at the games later uh, against the Lightning and the, the, the Panthers. They couldn't get anything going offensively. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know what Jack Todd thinks this team is. Uh, does he think it's a contender? Does he think it's even a playoff team? I'm very confused. Uh, because has he not watched the Habs all season? Has he not watched any of the games where they blow, like, a million different multi-goal leads? Uh, and does he think... Yeah, this team is better than this team deserves to be in the playoffs. Granted, it seems that nobody wants that third Atlantic spot. You mentioned Florida's been doing terrible. Uh, the Maple Leafs had a horrible California road trip against a bunch of basement teams. And so, you know, if the Hives were a playoff team, they'd be firmly in one right now. But the fact of the matter is this team is, you know, it lacks scoring. It lacks talent, uh, especially, you know, just basically everywhere on the team. And uh, yeah, I don't know what Jack Todd is thinking here. Uh, maybe a bit of a homer, no? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. And uh, if we wanna if we wanna get into homers, then then that, that might be a nice segue into the the Bruins Lightning game from last night. Uh, if you're done if you're if we're done talking about Jack Todd, I think we kind of did all there is to do there. Uh, so you might have seen the Boston Bruins Tampa Bay Lightning big game last night between two powerhouses of the Eastern Conference, perhaps with playoff implications. And there were uh, 
couple brawls that that broke out on separate different occasions, which is an extreme rarity in the NHL these days. And Jack Edwards, who is the the local play-by-play guy for the Boston Bruins, uh, is quite known around the league to be uh, painfully biased towards the Bruins. And you would expect that from a, from a local broadcaster to be cheering for the home team. But Jack Edwards is known to, to take it to a higher level sometimes. And uh, yeah, so, so we wanted to, to point out a couple of things that were funny from last night. Sean Corrali was, uh, was fighting Alex Kalorn, and Jack Edwards said, said something in the vein of, uh, of like, because oh, Alex Kalorn has a Harvard degree. He said, Sean Corrali's telling him, take your Harvard degree and take it to the hospital. And then uh, Chara was fighting Patrick Maroon, uh, I guess, at the same time. And he said, oh, you know what Chara's telling him? Chara's telling him, you want to see the afterlife? I'll take you there. And Chara proceeded to <laughs> land no punches and uh, and get basically destroyed by Patrick Maroon. So uh, a little bit of an embarrassing moment for, for Jack Edwards there, perhaps. So he might not see it that way. Yeah. Uh, frankly, that guy is kind of an idiot. Uh, I mean, like, it seems like every single time uh, I see a highlight uh, of the Bruins and this guy's talking. Uh, I, I start to wonder if this guy play by does the play-by-play with a Boston Bruins jersey on. Uh, and hmm. uh, I mean, it, it also like, you know, just his attitude towards the game seems to be very dated, uh, seems to be very old-fashioned. Uh, and he seems to really like this whole fighting thing. Uh, it's like, you know, we see this, we see this consistently with Jack Edwards. Uh, but, you know, this, this clip was, uh, not going to lie, it was pretty funny. Uh, he looks pretty dumb. Uh, Jack Edwards does. Sounds pretty dumb. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, yeah, it was just, uh, kind of a funny clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could, you could probably tell from the first five or so minutes of the show that, uh, it's been, it's been quite a slow news week in the NHL, actually, which, uh, I guess you'd kind of expect a trade deadline was only about, about two weeks ago at this point, uh, new players still settling with their new teams. So there isn't much, much big headline news to talk about. Uh, but one of the big pieces of news from this week was Jim Little who was the Senator's uh, CEO, I believe, or Hockey Operations. Do you, do you remember exactly what the title was? Uh, he was the CEO of the team. Oh, CEO of the team. All right. And he was only on the job for, like, what, two months? Not even two months. And uh, he got he got fired. And the, uh, the big news coming out of it, or the statement, was that basically he yelled at Eugene Melnick, on the over the phone for about ten minutes, he swore at him. He said things like, "The best things, the best thing that could happen to the Senators is if you disappeared for for twelve months." And I mean, most people actually agreed with Jim Little about that, but Eugene Melnick obviously did not approve and fired him. And uh, yeah, it was funny because if you remember last year and to some extent the year before that, it seemed like every week there was some new big piece of Senators drama. Or something that the senators could be embarrassed about coming out of coming out of there. Like obviously, you remember the uh, the infamous Uber Uber video with Matt Duchesne, uh, Chris Weidman, and a couple other players there. They were bashing their assistant coaches. There was, I think, at the beginning of this season, uh, or was it last season? I don't remember anymore. Anyway, Mark Boriecki making that video with Eugene Melnick, probably against his own will. That extremely low quality video that was released on Senators PR Twitter. But actually, for this season. There were there was barely anything off ice of uh, of note for the Senators in, until this. It kind of kind of puts it puts a damper on it. And I mean, they had a pretty good run there without anything embarrassing happening to their organization. But uh, yeah, so do you have any any thoughts about about Jim Little that situation? Yeah, I mean, look, the Ottawa Senators uh, they're so badly mismanaged with Eugene Melnick at the helm. I imagine in their headquarters they have a nice little you know a scoreboard. This many days since the last PR disaster. 
uh, and and <laughs> that's been reset to zero recently. And uh, so yeah, it's just it just seems that you know every so often we see something absolutely train wreck, uh, an absolute train wreck coming out of Ottawa. Uh, you know, you mentioned those other stories, this one included. Now I don't know if you heard about this little twist, but we we talked about how you talked about how Jim Little says that he believes that he was fired due to that interaction where he swore uh, and and you know and and told uh, Eugene Melnick Melnick he should be dis- he should disappear uh, for like twelve months. But actually, the Ottawa Senators uh, claim that the actual reason that uh, he was fired were links to allegations of domestic abuse uh, from his former wife. Uh, and, and this just came out like a, a couple days ago. Like this came after the fact. And this was, you know, the Ottawa Senator's public statement. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a confusing situation. Uh, and like you just look at the whole thing and you have to wonder. Uh, since this is like a former wife, it seems to be in the past. I mean, like, did the Ottawa Senators not do any vetting of this guy whatsoever? And, and just the fact that after this, maybe like after this phone call, they were they were looking for a reason to fire this guy, uh, went and dug up this dirt and then used it uh, as a reason to fire him. I had not heard anything about this. Uh, so, so yeah, that's obviously something that you have to take seriously and obviously is a, a good reason to have someone fired. But as you mentioned, this information would have been accessible before they hired him. So that's, that's a, a step that they should have taken before they even hired him background checks like that. So either way, the senators are in the wrong here for, well, either not checking that first and hiring him in the first place or uh, only only waiting around till they wanted an excuse to fire him to go look for it. So it uh, doesn't look good on the Senators. Uh, and now that, now that we know this about Jim Little, it doesn't really look good on, uh, on him either. So not exactly a, a win for anybody involved. Yeah, and that just seems to be the case for basically any Ottawa storyline uh, that comes out like this. It's like there's no winners. Uh, everybody looks like an idiot. And uh, yeah, that's the Ottawa Senators. You got to feel for their fans uh, because finally they had a, you know, I'd call this a very good rebuilding season uh, given how they tanked so hard. And San Jose with their pick has done terribly. Uh, you got to think Ottawa's happy with that, their fans. Uh, but then you, you you have a story like this. Uh, comes out with a month left in the season. And, you know, you just, you just got to look at that. Uh, and you just, this kind of thing doesn't happen over and over with a well-run organization. And so, you know, you know, I think Jim Little's onto something, frankly, when he says Eugene Melnick should disappear for 12 months, uh, because that guy does no good for his team whatsoever. Yeah, uh, Eugene Melnick actually, for for most of the season, has kind of, had kind of disappeared into the background. We, weren't, we were barely hearing his name in the in the news very much, and you could kind of tell that that optimism among Senators fans had had gone up accordingly. Uh, not not only because well no one was hearing from Melnick, but also obviously they they're gonna have two very high draft picks and one of the best drafts of all time and the Islanders first rounder, which will be uh, probably somewhere around number fifteen or sixteen, and uh, so they could very feasibly you know get uh, Lafreniere and Byfield if they win both the lotteries or even if they don't get two extremely talented cornerstone players. So the the future is looking very bright for Ottawa, but uh, I think a lot of fans might underestimate uh the importance of ownership and doing it doing a proper rebuild and, and if eugene melnick you know it meddles too much in affairs like he's been doing for well you know the last 10 years or more than that however long he's on the team then uh then it could it could spoil the team bad ownership could, could trickle all the way down and uh and the senators could have a very hard time getting back to contention yeah absolutely ownership is absolutely crucial uh we sit throughout sports 
ah, uh, you know, football, you know, you got these owners. If they're smart, they'll win. If they're not, you'll have, like, the Washington Redskins, who are dog shit every single year, Dan Snyder, uh, and, you know, stuff like that. And even just pointing back to the Habs, I mean, Jeff Molson seems to have a very unhealthy obsession with Mark Bergevin, and you know, he seems to never want to fire him. And so, you know, just when, when you got a guy who's too attached uh, to the to the hockey side of things and doesn't want to just stick to the business side, uh, you see problems like this. Obviously, Eugene Melnick is a whole uh, 15 different levels above Jeff Molson in terms of shitty owners. Uh, but we see that whenever the ownership meddles, I mean, it's never a good thing because these guys did not make their money, uh, you know, like uh, managing football teams. They all, they all made their money in, I don't know, the oil industry or some shit like that. And how does that help you with the sports industry? Frankly, it doesn't. And so whenever we see these owners medal, uh, it might have some sort of short-term benefit, but we always see in the long run, uh, the team is always on a downhill trajectory. And this, 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 this Ottawa Senators is like, a, is like a case study in just bad ownership, uh, meddling, and, just, and how that turns into a toxic environment for the whole franchise that has detrimental impacts you know, through the whole organization and down to the fans. Yeah, I like to think, think about it this way. Uh, Eugene Melnick is like the, the big name. Like A lot of fans could possibly think he's the general manager just because you hear his name in the news cycle so much more often than Pierre Dorian. But think how many owners, team owners around the NHL, do you even know the name of? For me, it's, it's Melnick. It's Jeff Molson because I'm a Canadiens fan. Besides that, uh, I, think, I think Jeremy Jacobs owns the Bruins. Uh, I think the Tannenbaums, I don't even remember their first. Larry Tannenbaum owns the Leafs. Uh, the Pagulas in Buffalo. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I might recognize a couple other names. Uh, I, I can name Vinny Viola just because I watched the Roberto Luongo jersey retirement ceremony last night. But uh, but th- that's it. So I think the, the trend you're getting from this is most successful teams, which is, in fact, actually most teams, almost every team, uh, ha- has an owner that doesn't meddle in hockey operations and those day-to-day operations and kind of you hire people who know hockey, who you trust and you, you let them take control of it. And oftentimes that will, would lead to more success than trying to be a, be a hands-on owner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another one that like, it just seems that if I know your name as an owner, you're running your team into the ground. And another name that comes up is Francesco Aquilini, uh, who owns the Canucks. And it just seems like, what does he do? He tweets sometimes, doesn't he? He tweets about the Canucks and what he wants uh, for the organization. Uh, it's like, it's, what kind of bullshit is this? And we see that the Canucks, you know, with their Jim Benning, uh, I mean, they've had a good season this year, but since that Stanley Cup disaster in 2011 where they lost to the Bruins, uh, this franchise has been a total shitfire. And I think Aquilini has a, has a big part in doing that. And so, yeah, I think this whole trend of, if I know your owner's name, not a fucking good sign, buddy. And uh, yeah, just probably best, definitely best to just stay in the background, you know, write those checks when you need to. Uh, don't be a cheap, don't be a cheapskate. And I mean, and you'll lead, you'll usually lead to these successful organizations. Yeah, as long as we're we're on uh, senators and uh, past mistakes that they've made, I want to bring up uh, a trade from the summer of 2016 that was seemed that seemed lopsided at the time when they dealt Mika Zibanejad and a second round pick to the New York Rangers for Derek Broussard and a seventh round pick. It was seemed lopsided at the time, but now it looks even worse. Uh, Zibanejad missed a chunk of time. I think about 13 games this season with an injury. But uh, he did score five goals in one game against the Washington Capitals the other day 
in a 6-5 overtime win, so his name was in the news. So I thought I'd take a look at his stats for the season. And in 55 games this season, this is now, he's played a game since then. He has 39 goals and 33 assists for 72 points. So over an 82-game schedule, if he had been healthy all year, uh, he, that is a 58-goal pace and, I believe, 108 points. So Mika's Banajad uh, has broken out this season into superstar number one center at the age of, I think, 26 or 27. And, uh, you know, he's, he's at 39 goals right now. The Rangers have 14 games left. I think if he stays super hot, which he has been for the last two games at least, uh, that if, if he could score 11 goals in those games and hit 50 goals, that would be possibly one of the most out-of-nowhere 50-goal seasons in NHL history. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have no idea who's having such a good season uh, until he pops up in the headlines with that ridiculous five-goal game uh, against the Capitals where he scores five goals, scores the overtime winner too, uh, just absolutely preposterous. I mean, there was a 6-5 game, think about it. So he scored five out of six goals for that team. Uh, for the Rangers, it was a huge game for them, uh, a division matchup against the playoff team, uh, and they managed to pull out the win. And, you know, just, I mean, look at that trade. with I, the, the, Just the fact that the Rangers got a second on top of advantage. I only had to trade away a seventh. Uh, and Derek Broussard, and if we look, take a look at Derek Broussard over the years, uh, since... Since he's left the Ottawa Senators, he's been on four other teams other than the Ottawa Senators. Uh, and, you know, since 2018, uh, Mika Zibanejad has more goals just this season than Derek Broussard has in like two, three seasons, two, two seasons, two seasons, two and a half seasons combined. And so it's just, uh, you know, it's, this parade is absolutely lopsided. Uh, and yeah, Mika Zibanejad, frankly, totally out of nowhere. Uh, probably one of the reasons why the Rangers have been so hot recently, why they're firmly in contention for a playoff spot. And uh, yeah, just, yeah, you're absolutely right when you say it came out of nowhere because I just had no idea he was doing so well. Yeah, uh, now I think possibly something that's freed him up a little bit is the addition of Artemi Panarin because I think for most of the season, they, they started together on the top line, but now they're they're playing on separate lines. Zabanajad is playing with uh, Pavel Buchnevich and I think, Chris Kreider when he was healthy, not through the left winger is now, but I know Artemi Panarin is playing on another line with Ryan Strom and Jesper Fast. Ryan Strom also, by the way, is uh, having a fantastic season. I think a career year after, uh, this is, I believe, his first full season with the Rangers. Also, playing next to Artemi Panarin doesn't hurt. So the fact that uh, the other team might be focusing the best defenders more on Panarin than Zibanejad is probably something that's freed him up to perhaps re- reach his full potential. Yeah, and we're talking about Terry Panarin. Uh, I think he should be definitely a guy that we have to look at for the Hart Trophy uh, in terms of just being a nominee. Uh, I don't know if I'd put him ahead of the two Edmonton guys. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's been he's been worth every penny. They signed him to a massive contract in the offseason. And uh, it just seems like it's paid off because this guy is just clicking uh, with that Rangers team. Uh, and yeah, he's just fit in perfectly. And I don't know what his stats are, but I heard he's been doing fantastic, obviously, if you're, you're in the hard conversation. Uh, and so, yeah, just uh, w- what a signing it turns out. I mean, it was a blockbuster when it happened, but uh, it just seems to be working out for the Rangers. Yeah, uh, he actually, when he was signed, he became right away the highest paid winger in the league. And I, I think probably also 
possibly the highest paid winger in NHL history. And it's kind of, you know, a lot of people kind of wary about that to, to give that out to someone like Artemi Panarin. But, uh, but yeah, he's totally been worth it, as you said. Uh, I believe his point per game is higher than Zibanejad's. I'm going to try to find his stats now. I know he's very close to the top of the league in terms of points. And if the Rangers do end up making the playoffs, then Panarin should definitely be a heavy consideration for, for the Hart Trophy. Panarin, I just pulled up uh, in 67 games this year, has 32 goals, 61 assists for 93 points. So I think right now in the top of the league, it's Dreisaitl with about 110, McDavid at 95, and Panarin third at 93. I think that's that's what it looks like right now. Damn. That's, I mean, that's crazy. This guy's already, uh, he's already secured point per game uh, for the entire season. He's got 15 games left. Uh, and uh, yeah, just 93 points at this point of the season. Uh, we've talked before about that one season where Jamie Hart won the, the Art Ross with like 80-something points. Uh, really come a far away, and it's, I mean, it's hell exciting uh, just watching all these goals. Uh, and uh, this whole goal-scoring moving on up, uh, big fan. Uh, and so, moving on, uh, another bit of uh, small news that came out, although maybe not small for certain teams, uh, it, cap projections uh, came out from the NHL uh, for next season. Uh, and they gave a range that was pretty broad, uh, but I believe it was 84 to 88 million. And right now, I think it's at 81 million. And so we're looking at potential, like from three to seven million dollars in terms of empty caps, uh, like brand new cap room for every single team. Uh, and for certain teams that are strapped to the cap, uh, we're talking our Vegas, our Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, this 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 has to be some sort of godsend, right? Uh, well, you see, um, I believe last year the initial projection around this time was that the cap would be somewhere between 81.5 to 83.5, and it actually ended up being lower than that floor for the projection. As you said, it's 81 million this year. So I'm not getting too worked up about these projections, 84 to 80.5. First of all, it's a very wide range. Uh, and so I don't see it going anywhere near the, the ceiling, which I think is 88 and a half of that, of that projection. Um, if it does land at about 84, yeah, that is, uh, that's a, a 3 million jump, which is, I guess, a little bit more than you'd come to expect. But if by chance it does end up somewhere around, I don't know, 86, 87, $88 million cap next year, then, uh, some GMs are going to get uh, a little bit too, too excited on free agent frenzy. It's the first thing I thought of. And give out some some very some very uh, you know un well bad that's the word I'm looking for bad deals uh, very expensive deals to to bad players. I think the last time we saw uh, maybe a big jump in the cap was 2016, and obviously the the famous trade deadline day not trade deadline day July 1st. So many terrible deals handed out. David Backus, Franz Nielsen, Louis Erickson, Milan Lucic, Andrew Ladd. Uh, there must be tons more. And it was that the jump in. Uh, cap space combined with the fact that a lot of those teams had cleared out room to make a push for Steven Stamkos, but he chose to stay in Tampa Bay. So they had all this empty cap space and didn't know what to do with it. Uh, so I think if we do get like, you know, as you said, $7 million more in cap space from this year to next, then uh, yeah, some teams are going to be cap strapped with these new uh, heavy deals for quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're, if you're Vancouver, I think you locked him betting into a jail cell if it turns out that the cat, he has $7 million to maneuver on July 1st. Uh, and and, you, and these, these numbers, right? Like the, the cap is determined, uh, according to the CBA, 
by the revenue, right? And and you have to wonder, like, where is this extra cap money coming from? I mean, like, I don't know if the NHL has seen a huge uptick uh, in any sort of attendance. Uh, there has been no new TV deal. And heck, if you look at the news right now, I mean, if you look at the coronavirus, uh, oh yeah, shout out, wash your hands, people. Uh, co- coronavirus, right, that you're threatening these stadiums. We already see, you know, stadiums in Italy, soccer stadiums are being closed down to fans. Uh, and, and you got to think, you know, there's a potential for, if it comes to the United States, it becomes a big thing. They start ordering, you know, fans to leave the stadiums to stay out. Uh, you got to think that's going to greatly impact ticket sales, revenue for the teams. And so, you know, I, I wonder, I look at these numbers and I'm like, uh, I mean, if, if it's true, I mean, we're in for a good July 1st, but like, where, where do these projections come from? Yeah, I don't know. Also, we should probably mention the because of the coronavirus, the women's world championship has been postponed this year until until next March. So that first of all is a big blow to to these players, especially because you'll remember a lot of them haven't been playing this season because of uh well the the CWHL folded last last year, and they've been holding out to try and create a. Uh, a uh, good professional women's league, and so this was kind of the the big event. Well, it already was uh, the big uh, yearly event that draws uh, big ratings. Besides the Olympics, was for women's hockey was the women's world championships, and now that's been been postponed until next March. So I'm not sure if they're gonna have like two separate world championships, like just a couple months apart next year. I'm not really sure how that how that's gonna work, but either way, that's a uh, uh, probably very devastating for these players and uh and fans of women's hockey i love watching the women's world championships too and the uh i'm probably more than the men's hockey world championship just because well with the with the men a ton of the best players are either still in the playoffs or decide they don't want to go so you get guys like you know you get these these fourth liners or maybe even these minor leaguers who are who are playing for canada and the u.s college players too, guys you've never heard of playing for the European teams. Whereas for the women's hockey, it's always best on best at the world championship. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it totally sucks. Uh, the, the women's world championship, it's like, it's their, it's their big event, right. For the, for these players. Uh, it is their, you know, their big event every year. Uh, and it's probably the most popular event in terms of, you know, just watching that. And who doesn't love some best on best action? Uh, I'm certainly all here for it. So Totally sucks that they're postponing it a full year. Uh, as you said, I have no idea what's going to go down. I, my assumption is that they're just going to basically cancel this year and just I, I, is, do they they hold it every year, right? This World Championship. Yeah, yeah, every year. Yeah, okay. So my assumption is that they'll probably just call this one off and then have one next year. I don't know how they would do two in a single year. I think it would diminish the impact of both of them, frankly. Uh, and so. Uh, yeah, it's just very unfortunate. Uh, and whenever you see something like this, you know, stunt because we, we're all, I think we're all here for the, the women's, the development of the women's game. Uh, and when you see something like this happen, where it kind of stunts the development just a tad, uh, very unfortunate. And, uh, you know, uh, not, not great that we don't get to see some of that best on best hockey. Yeah. Uh, so I think maybe we're going to do the standing segment a little bit earlier today and maybe dive in a little bit deeper to uh, to the races, especially the tight playoff races around the wildcard spots. Maybe look ahead to, to upcoming schedules and possibly work work out uh, so, some prediction, predictions of what we see that's going to be going on in the, the push for the playoffs over the next month or so. Less than a month, actually, until the end of the regular season. So uh, the, the Atlantic right now, 
Boston has pulled ahead quite a bit, as we mentioned last week. They're now seven points ahead on the Lightning, even though they did lose to the Lightning last night. 98 points for Boston, 91 for Tampa, 79 for Toronto. So it looks like there won't be too much suspense in the Atlantic uh, unless Toronto keeps slumping and Florida goes on a bit of a hot streak to maybe challenge for that third spot in the Atlantic. But I, I don't really see that happening right now. Yeah, me neither. I mean, what we've talked, I've talked about that third uh, Atlantic spot. Nobody fucking wants it. I mean, hell, like, Toronto's been playing like dogs. Obviously, they had that disastrous game against Carolina where they lost to David Ayers. We talked about that extensively. But also since, you know, they, they lost to some really bad teams, Anaheim, San Jose, teams like that. And, the, and I think, I don't know if they lost to the Kings, but they did. That's even worse. Uh, and so, you know, this doesn't look like a playoff team, but nobody's there to replace them. I mean, do I need to get into Florida? They traded away Vinny Trocek, made no sense at the time, still makes no sense. Uh, they've been doing awful. They've won four of their last 10, and it just seems that no, they don't want the playoff spot either. Obviously, the Habs are three points behind, but I don't think Eaton, either of us have any sort of faith, uh, faith in that team. And so I think barring any, you know, uh, hot streaks that I frankly don't see coming, uh, I think we'll see a pretty massive chasm between second and third in the Atlantic, as we already see. Uh, and uh, I think we're probably going to be Tampa, Toronto in that first round. Uh, I think just just numbers wise, look at the standings. That's probably the most likely thing. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think, frankly, I don't think Toronto. I think Tampa is Toronto is the Toronto team is built like Toronto, but on steroids. Just so much more talent uh, that. Uh, just looking at the first round matchup there, I think Tampa will win that one pretty handily. Uh, well, we could, we'll probably get to this in a couple of weeks when it's finalized and we're making our playoff predictions. But I wouldn't. I would. I would tend to pick the Lightning as well. But I wouldn't count out the uh, the Maple Leafs so easily. I might have to think about it a little harder, just because there is there is so much talent on that team. Uh, forward group that I would argue is even better than the, the Lightning's. Obviously, where Tampa has the advantage is uh, is on defense with Victor Hedman, uh, Mikhail Sergachev, Ryan McDonough, Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, so I would pick the Lightning. But with all the untapped potential that the Leafs have, or the I guess rather the high ceiling that they have for an explosive offense, uh, I wouldn't count them out so quickly against the Lightning. I don't know. It just seems like the, the Leafs' offense has died a bit recently. And also another part of that matchup that I really love for the Lightning there uh, is the goaltending matchup because Andre Vasilevsky, uh, obviously one of the best goalies in the world, hasn't had a spectacular season, but still uh, an elite goalie nonetheless. And Freddie Anderson has struggled mightily. Uh, they finally fixed that backup situation with Jack Campbell, but I don't know if I trust him in the playoffs whatsoever. And so, yeah, if we're just looking at the matchup there, I think you have to hand the defense big win for the Lightning uh, as well as the goaltending. Uh, and if we take a look at the uh, Metropolitan Division, I mean, what looked like pretty certain matchups uh, in terms of Washington-Pittsburgh uh, just a month ago or so, uh, it, it's totally spiced up a bit in terms of the race. And uh, Philly, I mean, they really just haven't stopped winning. Uh, they've won nine in a row now, and uh, they're yep. tied with the Capitals. And uh, it just seems that unstoppable horse right now. Yeah, Philadelphia has, uh, has been great. A, a couple years ago... Uh, two or three years ago, or maybe less than that. Anyway, there was uh, some very interesting thing I saw. I don't remember what, what outlet it was, but basically they ran every North American professional, major professional sports team from the four major sports, hockey, basketball, baseball, and football, through some sort of algorithm that concluded the Flyers have been over the last whatever stretch of time, seven, eight years or so, have been one have been the most uh, 
average, I think was the word average or maybe mediocre, but I think it was closer to average, most average team in the entire four uh, major professional sports. And it's, it's funny because when you look at it, dating back all the way to 2012, they have alternated every season between making the playoffs and not. They've made it every even-numbered uh, playoffs and missed every odd-numbered. So this is uh, looking a lot like they'll make the playoffs, and that, that streak will continue. Carter Hart has been fantastic. I think I just saw he became the first goalie in history to have two separate seven-game winning streaks uh, before his 22nd birthday. So very impressive for him. Uh um, the the forward group is great. They've got a great top six. Travis Konechny is broken out. Sean Couturier might win the Selkie. But, uh, but looking ahead, actually, to uh, their schedule, they've got a really tough schedule coming up this week. They're playing the Bruins, the Lightning, and Minnesota on Saturday, who's been actually not that bad lately, whereas the, the Washington Capitals, who they're tied with, have uh, Buffalo coming up tomorrow, Detroit on Thursday, and Chicago on Saturday. A very, very weak schedule for Washington. So if the Flyers want to stay in the in the thick of that race for first in the Metropolitan, then they've got their work cut out for them. Yeah. And uh, I think they've proven over the last little stretch, they've beaten teams like, you know, Metropolitan teams like the Rangers twice, Capitals uh, and Hurricanes in this little in this big win streak of theirs. And so uh, I think they, they've proven they've got the, the, the sort of caliber team. Uh, to make it through the stretch as maybe even the leader in the Metropolitan uh, and end the season as the Metropolitan were. I think if they definitely if they keep it up like this. Uh, and so, I mean, obviously Washington seems to have the easier schedule, but they haven't been performing great either uh, to have allowed Philadelphia to catch them up like this. And so right now, looking at these two teams, uh, who do you project uh, as the winner of the Metropolitan season? Um, I still, I still, I think I'm going to go with Washington. I think they're going to win the division again for the however many years in a row. I think this might be fourth or fifth years in a row for for Washington to win that division. Uh well, because I haven't looked ahead to the entire schedule for the rest of the season, but but well, I as I've just mentioned Washington has an easier week and I feel like they're going to pull ahead and the Flyers uh winning streak will end and I just feel like the Capitals do have the better team on paper and over the next month or so that's going to balance out a little bit, but I would definitely not want to play the Flyers in the playoffs, which I think Pittsburgh will have to do. Uh, and if I were picking today, I think the Flyers would probably uh, would probably win that matchup. Yeah, uh, actually, I would disagree with you on, in terms of the winner there. Actually, I think I have uh, Philly uh, taking the victory over Washington uh, for that division. Just, just they just look so strong right now, and you know Washington they haven't looked great. Uh, their goaltending situation is pretty shaky. Uh, I'm not too sure what's happening in their team. Samsonov has taken over the crease. Uh, and so I I frankly place more confidence uh, into this Flyers team given their recent body of work. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's my pick there. Uh, I think Pittsburgh, uh, looking at them, they're pretty firmly into that third spot. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, I don't know. Just... I, I, I'm not sure what my evaluation of this team is. It seems that they've been hot and cold as well recently. And I think they've been rattled a lot by uh, just a lo- very large amount of injuries. And so I think we'll just have to see in terms of how, how much can they get healthy uh, before the playoffs and can they really gel uh, before making that playoff run. Pittsburgh is, uh, they are starting to get healthy again. They had a, a long list of injuries for, for a while. Jake Gensel is probably out for the rest of the season, but John Marino and Brian Dumoulin both returned a couple nights ago 
it's a, it's a big bolster to the defense. And Nick Bukestad, who was out for almost the entire season, is uh, is back now, uh, centering that third line as is his role. Uh, I believe they did beat the Ottawa Senators on Tuesday night, 7-3 to break a losing streak. Not sure how they did for the rest of the week after that. Going to look into that right now. Uh, so they they beat the Sabres on Thursday, 4-2, and then lost to Washington uh, yesterday, 5-2, and they play the Hurricanes today. So they, it w- I would seem they're still in a little bit of a funk. They had a six-game losing streak, and then they beat two, uh, two basement dwellers, Ottawa and Buffalo, before losing to the Capitals in convincing fashion. So, yeah, they're certainly not out of the woods quite yet. Yeah, and I'm looking at their schedule for the rest of the season. And, uh, I mean, they, they've just got a fascinating schedule ahead of them. Uh, I think they play two teams for the rest of the season that aren't in the Metro Division. Uh, they play the Sanders to wrap up the season at the very end, and they play the, the the Blackhawks on the 25th of March. But other than that, every single game from here on out is against the Metro team. Uh, wow. And they play uh, New Jersey a couple times. But other than that, it's just a whole bunch of teams are on the bubble. Uh, they play the Rangers three times uh, from here to the end of the season. Uh, they play the Blue Jackets once. Uh, they play the Hurricanes, I think, let me count that four times. That's ridiculous. They play for Hurricanes four times in a month. The Rangers three times. Uh, they play Washington a couple times. Or no, they play Washington one more time. And so, I mean, in terms of scheduling, first of all, that's, I don't know what to tell the schedule makers, but that's certainly a heck of a schedule for the Penguins. And so, I mean, this is really a trial by fire for this team. Uh, with Crosby and Malkin, obviously, I don't think you can ever count them out. Uh, because, you know, just their track record of success. Uh, but, yeah, this is really do or die for the Penguins here. I think we'll get a very good uh, – if they struggle right now, even though they've got that big big, uh, that big lead right now, five points over the wildcard teams, uh, I, I mean, if they struggle against these metropolitan teams that they're playing, uh, I can very much see them falling out of the race. Uh, but uh, I'm not going to project that kind of thing because I do believe uh, in Crosby-Malkin. Uh, I don't think it's wise to bet against that. And so, uh, very interesting schedule for Pittsburgh, uh, and I believe they'll, they'll stick in that third-place spot. Yeah, uh, I agree with you about that. Although, as you mentioned, if they do falter against these Metro teams at the end in the last month of the season, those are the worst teams to falter against because those are the teams breathing down your neck for, for a playoff spot. Uh, and in, in the wildcard race right now, you've got the Islanders at 79 points, and the Islanders have had a, uh, a pretty terrible last month or so. If you, you might remember, they started the season uh, on a very long winning streak. I think it was, what, 15 games? They started like 16-3-1 or something at the top of the league. And uh, since then, they've been playing uh, possibly below 500, or at least somewhere around there. Um, I'm looking back to the start of... I'm looking back a month from today, which is February 8th. There go loss, win-win. Loss, 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 win, win, loss, 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 loss. So right now they are riding a six-game losing streak, including a, a 6-2 defeat at the hands of the Canadians on Tuesday night. And now they are headed out for a, a Western Canadian road trip. They're playing Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton this week. Uh, three pretty good teams. So in terms of the Islanders holding on to that playoff spot with the way they've been trending, uh, even though the, the numbers look all right for them, I'm not sure if I see it happening. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just uh, this 
team. It's just they don't have enough scoring, frankly. I know they added Jean-Gabriel Pajot, but kind of similar to the Habs, actually, in terms of their problems. Uh, while the Islanders do play a better defensive system, uh, it just seems that they can't score many goals at all. And I think the stats would back me up on that kind of thing. Uh, their goal differential right now for the season is zero. Uh, and that's not definitely not a great number to have uh, if you want to be a playoff team. And uh, so, I mean, but you, you mentioned the schedule ahead. Uh, and when I look at when people bring that kind of thing up, frankly, I don't really I don't really take much stock into that kind of thing. And I don't and I don't like it when teams use that as, or fans use that as an excuse, uh, because, look, if you're a playoff team, fucking win your games. I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, and if you're a playoff team you, and you deserve to be a playoff team, you, you're going to win your games. And uh, the Islanders have not done that recently. Six games in a row. Uh I mean, I can't believe, frankly, that they're still in the playoffs, but uh, two points uh, up against the Hurricanes. And uh, so, yeah, but just looking at the other Metropolitan teams that are in this race, uh, none of them in particular have been doing very well at all. Uh, I mean, all of, none of them have more than six wins in their last 10. Uh, and the only team that has that is the Rangers, and they've cooled down a bit since their torrid stretch. Uh, and so let's, let's get into a bit into the next team that, Hold the wild card spot. Uh, what are before your thoughts we on, on? Before we move on from the Islanders, before we move on uh, from the Islanders, I just wanted to point out something that I noticed. This six-game losing streak they're on actually started the day after they acquired Pajot. So Pajot still hasn't won a single game with the Islanders. Uh, those were that so far that six-game losing streak is his entire Islanders experience. I'm sure, he's excited to be signed on there for another six years. Uh, also, uh, mentioning the the upcoming schedule, I'm not trying to. To use that as like an excuse for anything, any team, you know, just just trying to use it as a tool to to project what could what could happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. I wasn't talking about you, uh, but you know, okay. I see a lot okay. uh, of fucking uh, Twitter. Obviously, I I wouldn't expect you to defend the Islanders whatsoever. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Uh, and so, you have anything else to say about the Islanders before we move on? Uh, I I'm going to hereby predict that they are going to continue losing and miss the playoffs. That's my prediction. Yeah, I have no faith they can't score a goal, for crying out loud. Uh, if you can't score a goal, you're not going to fucking make the playoffs. I don't care uh, yeah. how good your record is right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I just I don't think they're going to make the playoffs either. Very big shame. <laughs> oh, boy, did they give up a hell of a price for uh, Pajot, eh? Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, yeah, man. The playoffs that, I wish something else. That fan base uh, won't be happy. But, uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's what, what it's looking like new? right now. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. Looking a month from now, we'll all be eating tons of shit. But like, it's it's okay. And I I predict that they're not making the playoffs. All right. Uh, so you're gonna move on to the the Blue Jackets now, who are currently second wild card. Yes. Okay. So uh, I mean, we've talked about them last week. We've talked about them recently. Uh, they haven't been performing very well at all. Uh, they've lost a bunch. I think they've won two games in the last ten. And so, really, both of these wildcard teams uh, haven't been performing well enough to keep these wildcard spots, in my opinion. Uh, granted, the Blue Jackets, as we've, as we've mentioned, and we listed, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, just the, the sheer, like, we've listed all those players, and it's just preposterous. But, uh, I mean, all those players, I don't see them coming back in the near future. They were all very long-term and uh, just very unfortunate for the Columbus team. Uh, I mean, it was a great story when, when they were really rolling with Alvis and just the fact that they everybody left on that team in the offseason that they bought last year. Uh, it, it, it was a great story, but I mean, it's just they haven't before, been performing well enough. Uh, this is hardly an NHL team anymore, just based on the injuries. Uh, and, and very unfortunate uh, for this Columbus franchise that has been much maligned since it's entered the league. Uh, but yeah, what, what are your thoughts on this one? 
Uh, I'm trying to to figure out exactly when when Seth Jones went down because I feel like the the end of that Super Elvis hot streak might have aligned with uh, Seth Jones going down because they were surviving through uh, a lot of other injuries to their forwards. But I think the Seth Jones one, who is probably most people would agree their most important player, a superstar defenseman, might have been where it all fell apart. So I'm, I'm seeing right now February 8th was his his last game before the injury. Uh, they lost that game to the Avalanche 2-1. to And then they immediately went loss, 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 loss. Win, loss, loss, win, loss, loss. So, yeah, and before that uh, game, they had won three in a row. So it certainly looks like my theory has a, has something to it. So if Seth Jones uh, isn't back before the end of the season, then I think the Blue Jackets are going to keep going through these hard times. Yeah, and it just goes to show uh, Seth Jones is an absolute superstar. Uh, underrated uh, because I think he plays on uh, – on that team, on, on Columbus, which doesn't is a very small market team. Uh, but, uh, I mean, look at that trade. Ryan Johansson, who hasn't been had, you know, he doesn't have much play time at all in Nashville right now uh, under John Hines' system. And trader for Seth Jones. I mean, Seth Jones, uh, as we can see, totally crucial uh, to that team. And, uh, yeah, it just seems that you, you can see it right there. I think you absolutely called it uh, in terms of the results. Uh, he left, and then they proceeded to fall off a cliff. And so, uh, yeah, just I think you're spot on in that case. And uh, without Columbus right now, just looking the way they're playing right now, not a playoff team. Uh, and so I think they'll miss the playoffs. Uh, however, I, I just looking at the standings right now, I, I'm not sure if I see any teams that are, you know, that are playing well enough to pass them, frankly. But uh, I just I don't think they're a playoff team, and I don't think they're going to make it. Yeah, it's funny. We're going through the wildcard. We're going, oh, Islanders, they're cold. I think they'll drop out. Oh, Blue Jackets, they're cold. I think they'll drop out. But looking at the teams that are chasing them down, the Hurricanes are uh, are on to their third and fourth string goalies, and the uh, the Rangers are still uh, three points back. So if those teams don't uh, don't really heat up, then the Islanders and Blue Jackets might just end up holding on to those wildcard spots, even if they don't necessarily deserve to. Yeah, and then that just makes it, in terms of playoff matchups, that much more important to win these divisions. Uh, so you're talking about Washington, Philadelphia, Boston, Tampa, although that seems to have been separated a bit more recently. Uh, but it seems that winning the difference between winning the division and coming in second in terms of playoff matchup is going to be huge. Uh, because if you look at the second-place teams, you got to play teams like Toronto or Pittsburgh. And, you know, I don't, I'd don't. i much rather face one of these dog shit teams. I'd, rather much, I'd much rather face, you know, a Columbus team that is basically just a bunch of ghosts at this point because they're all so injured uh, uh, than, you know, playing freaking Toronto in the first round of the playoffs. And so, yeah, just uh, there's there seems to be a massive disparity uh, in terms of you know the so, so the playoff the top elite tier the playoff teams and, and these wild card bubble teams uh, in terms of talent and just how hot and cold they've been recently. Now you might remember last year, uh, all the wild card teams won their first round matchups against the division winners. That's definitely not something I see happening this season with uh, with how the Islanders Blue Jackets have been playing Hurricanes, Rangers too, if they happen to overtake them. Or the Panthers, who are actually tied with the Rangers right now. They could possibly uh, make a little bit of a push for, for a wildcard spot if they don't pass the Leafs. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into Carolina now, shall we? They are the first team sure. uh, yeah. out of a playoff team, out of a playoff uh, spot right now. Uh, they're two points behind Columbus, though granted they do have three games in hand. 
Uh, although, you know, you have to win those games in hand, but they do. Uh, the, so uh, they've been all right over the last little bit. Pretty, very mediocre. They've won four out of ten. Uh, they're a Bettman 500 uh, in their last ten. And, yeah, you mentioned it before. Uh, the big thing with this team is that in that fateful game against Toronto, uh, they lost their top two netminders. Uh, I think it was Peter Mrazek, or I don't remember who that yes. first one is. And James, Peter Mrazek and James Reimer. Uh, yeah, and those two. so I think they're relying right now on Anton Forsberg and Alex Nedeljkovic as the backup. Uh, and uh, yeah, very concerning for them. Uh, if they can play as well as they play against David Ayers in front of, uh, behind them. I think definitely a playoff team, but it just seems that they haven't recently. Uh, yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem like that. Not to mention Brett Pesci, who also got injured in that game, is now uh, confirmed out for the season. He's going to need surgery, I believe, four to six months. I don't remember exactly what the injury is, but that is a big blow to that team. Sammy Vatanen, who they acquired as a rental at the deadline, should be back in the lineup soon. Dougie Hamilton, still not sure about the timeline on that. So that defense which is the strength of that team when fully healthy, is uh, is pretty decimated right now, not to mention, obviously, the goaltenders. And also, uh, their schedule upcoming this month, uh, not ne- not necessarily in the, the quality of opponents, but it's, it's awful. They play uh, on every Saturday and Sunday uh, the month of March, except March 1st. So they've got a back-to-back uh, from yesterday and today uh, against Islanders in Pittsburgh. And then they play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, then to April, Friday, Saturday. And that's how they finish off the regular season. So they are going to definitely need to re- need to rely on both of these goalies, Nadelchkovic and Forsberg, until one of Reimer or Mrazic comes back. And even then, they'll probably have to uh, continue relying on, um, on one of these two uh, well, triple backups, I guess you could say, double backup or whatever it is, uh, until the end of the season. So you we have mentioned the Islanders and Blue Jackets faltering, and we don't have much confidence that they'll be able to hold on to a playoff spot. But the Hurricanes, uh, it sure does look like a, a heavy task to to start winning games and uh, and get out of this uh, this little overcome this adversity. Yeah, and I don't like this whole. This whole disparity in terms of games, I'm not a big fan. I think the schedule makers could have done a better job uh, in terms of balancing it out. I mean, if you look at the Hab schedule, very light. They, I think there's they, from here on to the end of the season, which is about a month, almost exactly a month, I mean, to play four less games or four more games, like the, the Hurricanes play four more games than the Canadians. They play three more games than the Blue Jackets. I mean, I don't care much for quality of opponents, but I think the quantity matters a lot because I think rest is very important. And, I mean, I think those three games it'll wear on the team and uh but i mean points wise right now i think carolina is probably in a better position uh than columbus uh be, just because of their games in hand and they're only two points behind uh in terms of predictions for this team i would i would put them as second wildcard team or maybe even first i think they're they're going to make the playoffs uh and actually, so a bit of news on Sammy Vanden, who you just mentioned, actually came out three days ago about uh, he actually suffered a setback uh, in that injury. So oh. that, that his turn is still, uh, you know, not not soon, actually. And, and we'll see. We'll have some definitely a situation to monitor because he was brought in because of the Pesci and Hamilton injuries. That defense core has been ravaged and it doesn't seem like he's going to come back soon. Yeah, so if he does happen to miss the the rest of the season, 
which, uh, I mean, if we don't have the timeline, then that's a possibility. Then we could see a situation where Carolina gave up a, a prospect and a draft pick for a rental who didn't end up playing for them at all. Yeah, and, and that was part of the risk uh, that came associated with getting Vatnin at the deadline. He was already injured, though I don't think they projected to see him, you know, miss the entire season. But, uh, I mean, I mean, that was the risk that they took. And if it ends up that he doesn't, he does miss the rest of the season, uh, it really just didn't pay off. Very unfortunate for, for Carolina. But, I mean, at the deadline, they didn't really have much of a choice. Uh, this team, they, they had to do something with that decor uh, because, you know, I think they knew that Pesci was going to be out long term. And Hamilton, we don't know when he's going to be back. And so, I mean, I, I don't really blame Don Waddell uh, for making this move, but it just it, it sucks to see. Yeah. Uh, so we're ready to move on to the, the New York Rangers now, who have, uh, well, six wins in their last 10, which is decent, better than any of those other three wildcard race teams we've talked about. Uh, it looked like they had picked up a great uh, boost of momentum from that Zibanejad five-goal game on Thursday night against the Capitals, that overtime win that they would possibly be carrying with them down the stretch. But uh, but alas, they lost 6-4 to the Devils yesterday. And uh, so that's not not a very encouraging sign to, to lose like that, especially to a team that is nowhere near the playoffs. And they, they've got Dallas and Colorado coming up this week on a back-to-back and uh, Arizona on Saturday. So for, for none of these four teams does it look uh, very encouraging. Yeah, but I, I think I probably have the most optimism coming out of this Rangers team. Obviously, they've cooled down a bit, but they, they still got that momentum from earlier. Uh, Shesterkin's back from his uh, very unfortunate car accident injury. Uh, so he's back. Yeah. Didn't have a great game last night against New Jersey, but, you know, definitely good to have him back in that. Uh, and so, I mean, I think if Shesterkin can get back, it was his first game back last night, so I don't know how rusty he was, but... If he can get back into form, uh, because he was absolutely fantastic before he got injured, uh, if he can really get it going, uh, and I mean, Gorgas is a fantastic backup, and Henrik Lundqvist is your third goalie, that's ridiculous. The Rangers, that's my prediction right here. Rangers, I think they're going to be the second wildcard team uh, just based on past performance. And though they are three games behind, uh, I think they probably have the best goaltending situation uh, out of these four teams by far. And so that's what, you know... That's what boosts my, uh, their stock in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're going to be talking about the Rangers, then we should probably also mention the Panthers, who have the same amount of points as them in the same amount of games. Uh, Florida beat the Canadians last night 4-1. to one, And just looking at their upcoming schedule, they've got St. Louis tomorrow, Dallas and New Jersey this week. Uh, but they have been pretty cold lately. Going into the game against Montreal last night, they had lost four in a row. So if we do make predictions about these last two wildcard spots, which we've kind of been doing, uh, whoever I pick out of these five teams, uh, I don't think I would be very confident in any of them. No, me neither. I think just the fact that these points, uh, very close in terms of points, but also just all these early teams seem to be playoff teams at all. Uh, it's just it's a shame that Montreal doesn't have the talent because they'd, they'd be firmly in if they you know, were a playoff team. I think you wouldn't see a situation like last year. Uh, where they were a playoff team but missed the playoffs. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I have no faith in this Florida team. Uh, just the management, that project trade, very sketchy. And also just the team in general, they've been cold. And, yeah, I don't see them. Uh, I think I, – anything else you want to say in, Flor- in terms of Florida? I want to shout out one last team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, no, uh, well, nothing else about Florida. Uh, go right ahead then. Okay, I want to shout out the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, my homies out there in Buffalo – 
uh, your team's shit. Um, I don't know what the <laughs> hell. Like, we talked about how that Wayne Simmons trade made no sense. What the hell? Uh, what were they doing buying at the deadline? Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're, everybody was fucking right on that one. Uh, they've lost six in a row since the deadline. Uh, fucking, you, we're talking about, uh, who was it? Uh, Pajot hasn't won a game uh, with the Islanders. Neither is Wayne Simmons. And fucking Christ, uh-huh. uh, that team is a train wreck. Uh, shame to Dwayne. Uh, it just seems like he keeps suffering. And, uh, uh, and, and for crying out loud, I mean, what the hell? Uh, I, I, and now Jack Eichel seems to be absolutely miserable. I know he deleted his social media. Uh, pretty dramatic move from Jack there. Uh, but yeah, just fucking train wreck of a team. Uh, yeah, just so poorly run. Uh, we roasted them for the trade deadline buying. And, uh, and, and funny enough, fucking Wayne Simmons' old team, the Devils, uh, ahead of the Sabres right now in the playoffs uh, in the, in the yeah. standings. And so uh-huh. uh, just, just it's, it's stupid and funny. Dmitry Filipovic uh, pointed out yesterday on on Twitter, which I didn't know that the the Sabres had fallen that hard, and the Devils have won a won a couple in a row now too. I uh, took a screenshot of those uh, third and fourth to last spots in the East and said one of these teams sold to the other one at the deadline, and it, it's hilarious because of course he's talking about the Wayne Simmons trade, and the Devils who sold have uh, have surpassed the Sabres are now sitting at. 68 points while Buffalo has uh mere 66 is looking like another terrible team. Uh, I mean, another terrible season for the Sabres. Yeah, fucking trash fire. They haven't made the playoffs in forever and uh, nothing to do with this year. I don't see them making it next year. Look, I from now on, I swear, I in my early season projections, I will no matter what, I will never have Buffalo in a playoff spot until they finish the season and they're in a playoff spot. Uh, I hereby swear to never. Uh, put them in any sort of playoff spot, whether it be wild card or division, uh, because I just zero faith in this organization. You can go on as many win streaks as you like in the beginning in October, but it just seems like two seasons in a row now they've done that and they fall into shit by the end of it. And so, uh, yeah, just a train wreck of the organization. Uh, they're the joke of this league, and they're the joke that keeps hitting uh, because of seasons like this. Oh, I learned my lesson on that uh, a while ago. I think in in Jack Eichel's sophomore season, I had uh, this. I predicted the Sabers would make uh, the playoffs in sixteen seventeen. Of course, they did not. Um, and then uh, I think I did it again. Tried it again the next year. Failed again. And uh, yeah, haven't gone back since. Yeah, absolute joke. Uh, and so uh, I think that wraps it up on the Eastern Conference. Spent a hell of a time on that one there. Uh, and so uh-huh. let's move to the West. Uh, and uh, I'm just looking down the list right now. Not many uh, hot th- th- teams that are too, too hot. But let's start with the Central, uh, where the top two teams are in a dogfight for that win, St. Louis and Colorado. Uh, let's let's get into both of these. Uh, I mean, they've both lost their most recent games. But bigger picture-wise, they've both we talked about them last week, both being red hot. And uh, definitely two of the contenders coming out of the West. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Blues and the Avalanche are two two great teams to watch. Uh, I think the Avalanche recently had a seven game win streak, actually, and possibly looking at that seven one and two in the last ten, uh, maybe they went cold this week. Trying to find their recent schedule to to see what happened there. Uh, yeah, they uh, they lost to the Ducks on Wednesday and the Canucks on Friday, so it was actually before the seven game win streak that extra. That extra loss. So they've got uh, the Sharks tonight, the Kings tomorrow, Rangers on Wednesday, the Avalanche, uh, and uh, so that's not 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 too rough for them. But I still like the the Blues better, probably overall as a team, at least on paper. Uh, Pavel Francouz though has been fantastic for the Avalanche in relief of 
Grubauer, who's been injured, might have even uh, stolen his job. But uh, I still see the Blues uh, end, ending up uh, first place in that division. Yeah, it just seems that Colorado has been a bit of an up and down. Obviously, they've been on a bit of a heater recently. But uh, yeah, I think I think the Blues are by far the more consistent team. Uh, and so over the down the stretch, I think they'll pull out a win in this division. Although I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see Colorado. Uh, I think the Blues are definitely my pick as well. If these two teams do end up meeting in the playoffs, which looks like it would probably be in the second round, uh, I might uh, tend towards the Avalanche though if they're if they're fully healthy, especially because well, if they had had players like Miko Rantanen, Gabriel Landeskog, Nazem Kadri, Kael McCarr healthy all year, and they've all missed significant chunks of time, uh, then I think they probably would be in first in that division right now, and I think they probably uh, would be better than the Blues and. I I might pick them to beat them in the in a seven game series. Yeah, I don't know, but but the Blues also have uh, Vladdy Tarasenko coming back. He's been out basically all oh, yes, season. Oh yes, that's true. And uh, he will be absolutely massive if he can come back healthy and come back clicking uh, for a team that's already winning the Central right now. Uh, I mean, he could be an absolute transformer uh, when it, when he comes back for the playoffs. That situation, uh, the Tarasenko, when he comes back, if he comes back, definitely a situation that would be very interesting, in fact, crucial uh, for this Western Conference. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's a potential X factor in terms of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Dallas, who had been neck and neck with those two teams for quite a while, fallen off a little bit. Uh, they've lost five in a row, but they still have a, a pretty firm grasp on third place in that division. A uh, very defensively sound team. Goaltending is the the strength there. Ben Bishop and Anton Kudobin, which is quite the turnaround from a couple of years ago when they had all this offensive firepower, but Kari Lettinen and Antony Niemi couldn't stop a puck. So so Dallas is definitely, some people are even pointing to them as a possible Stanley Cup contender. I'm not sure if I if I see it uh, see it like that, but uh, especially with uh, Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan kind of having uh, subpar seasons, seasons by their standards. Uh, but but Dallas will definitely be in the playoffs and will definitely give whoever they play in the first round a run for their money. Yeah, and we talked about the disparity in terms of competition for winner and second place in the division. I think it's very apparent here. Uh, I think Dallas is a very dangerous team when it comes to the playoffs, and I think uh, whoever it is from Colorado or St. Louis who loses, uh, I don't think it's a guarantee that those top two teams meet in the first round. However, uh, I think Dallas uh, is a tier below. I think they are dangerous, but I don't think they're quite the level of Colorado or St. Louis. So uh, my projection is that the second place team, wherever it is, uh, will win in the first round. But uh, I mean, this team, as you said, I mean, this forward core, I don't know if I trust it too much in terms of scoring goals. Uh, however, I mean, Ben Bishop, uh, I, th- I thought he was going to regress this year after a fantastic season last year, but he's been an absolutely great. Uh, and uh, I, I, I mean, Dallas seems to be locked into that third place spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so moving on to the Pacific Division, where the Oilers and Golden Knights are right now tied, uh, they eat, they have identical records, 37, 24, and 8, uh, for 82 points in 69 games each, tied for first in that division, uh, and they actually play each other tomorrow night, so that tie will break, but uh, the, the race is going to stay pretty tight, possibly right down the wire, how do you see that shaking out? I think this matchup is absolutely fascinating. Uh, I mean, I think I think everybody's been low on the Oilers, myself included. I still don't totally buy it, just based on the fact that this org, I mean, like it's the Oilers, and also like the the, the depth on that team is very suspect. Uh, but uh, I mean, they've they've been winning. Uh, I gotta credit them with that kind of thing. Uh, however, faced against De- Vegas, as much as I hate to do it uh, and to say it, 
I think Vegas pulls this one out in terms of winning the division uh, because, frankly, they're just more talented across the board. Uh, and I don't think, I mean, Robin Lehner, I talked about it last week, absolutely crucial addition uh, for that team because I don't, I mean, they, Flurry wasn't having a good season and to overwork him at, that, at this point in his career, not a great idea. Uh, so great move from the Vegas team there. Uh, I had them as one of my winners, if not the winner uh, of the trade deadline, just based on that single move. Uh, they've been hot recently, uh, and I don't see it slowing down. And so my pick for this division, I think Vegas will win this one pretty handily, actually. I think they'll, they'll separate themselves in the next couple weeks. All right. Uh, I think the whole hockey world pretty much unanimously is pulling for a, a battle of Alberta in the playoffs. Uh, and the best bet for that would be in the first round, either if the, the Golden Knights win the division and it could be Oilers and Flames 2-3, and three, or it's also possible that the Oilers win the division and the Flames fall to a wild card, and it could be a, a division winner against a wild card matchup. But uh, not only fans, but I'm sure also Sportsnet is pulling for that that All-Canadian, that Battle of alberta marquee matchup for the for those ratings. That would be uh, probably a, an all-time series. I'm uh, very much looking forward to that, hoping it comes to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. And you will see me up extremely late uh, for all of those games if that matchup does happen because, holy shit, it's going to fucking go down uh, if the Battle of Alberta does materialize. Uh, getting into the Flames a little bit, uh, they have been on, they've been on a three-game win streak. They've been playing pretty well. Uh, it was pretty questionable just last week, actually, if they were going to make the playoffs, but they seem to have... Uh, uh, pretty much solidified. Well, I mean, I don't know about solidified, but they've built a pretty solid three-point lead over the wildcard teams uh, and the non-playoff teams. And uh, yeah, I think they've 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 kind of claimed that third place in the Pacific over the Canucks. Uh, yeah, it looks like that right now. But uh, the Canucks do have uh, two games in hand right now, three points behind. So the Flames are definitely not in the clear, uh, even though they have been, uh, as you mentioned, that little three-game three-game hot streak. Uh, I don't think it's out of the question at all that the Canucks end up heating up to pass the Flames. That's definitely not something to, to pencil in quite yet. No, and uh, but but yeah, absolutely. And this goaltending, uh, any thoughts on this goaltending tandem? I think it's I think it's fascinating. David Rich and, and Cam Talbot, I haven't heard anything about their performance. Uh, do you have any gauge on what kind of season they've been having? Uh, well, uh the fact that we haven't been hearing about them very much is probably a sign that they're doing pretty well because usually that would be uh, a big story if this this guy, David Riddick, who wasn't really an established goalie, ended up faltering. Uh, it was looking, heading into the season, that they could possibly be a, a tandem that split games more or less 50-50. But David Riddick uh, totally won the starter's job. He was at the All-Star game, you might remember. Uh, I saw him play play live this year at the Bell Center, and he was fantastic, even though the uh, the, the Canadians won 2 to nothing. Uh, so David Riddick is definitely uh, an NHL starting goalie at this point in his career. So And Cam Talbot is probably a, a very good backup. Who was actually in a contract year, so so uh, good for good for him, good for the Flames. Uh, that goaltending is uh, seems to be uh, not a problem anymore. Yeah, that goalie swap, the free agency goalie swap between the Oilers and the Flames seems to have worked out uh, for both teams there. Uh, so I think we can move on from the Flames, unless you have anything else to say. Um, to probably the most exciting part of this race, uh, it's the two wildcard spots, and oh boy, is it ever tight. Uh, we're looking at five teams, uh, two in the playoffs right now, three not, that are within two points of each other. Uh, so we have uh, the Canucks and the Preds 
and the Jets all at 76 points. The Wild are one point behind that. Uh, and the Coyotes are two points out of a playoff spot right now. Uh, so let's get into these teams. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on Vancouver? Yeah, a very, very interesting wild card race in the West. Uh, possibly, I would say, uh, well, it's obviously it's tighter than the East. I'd say much more interesting, too. Uh, Vancouver was leading the Pacific Division for a lot of the season. And uh, it kind of fallen off a little bit. They've uh, lost six of the last ten. I'm just going to pull up their, their upcoming schedule a little bit. Uh, they've got, obviously, Quinn Hughes, um, possibly Calder favorite with Kale McCarr's, uh his injuries lately. A lot of people seem to be jumping on that bandwagon. The thing that's really, I think, uh, hurt them a little bit lately is the injury to Jakob Markstrom. Thatcher Demko has been uh, not, not too fantastic lately. Not sure exactly when. Markstrom went down, but I think Demko's played all the games, or at least almost all the games, since then. And uh, since the trade deadline, they beat Montreal four to three, and then lost five two to Ottawa, lost four two to Toronto, lost five three to Columbus, lost four two to Arizona, and on on Friday managed to beat Colorado six to three. So even in those those wins, they are giving up uh, a lot of goals. So if Markstrom is still going to miss a couple more weeks, then uh, it might not be. Uh, it might not look so so good for Vancouver. Yeah, that Marcus injury cannot be understated. Uh, he was having an absolutely fantastic season for the Canucks. Uh, seems to come out of nowhere. Uh, and then you just look at the drop-off uh, since he's been out. Uh, I I would know that Demko isn't performing so well because I have him on my fantasy team currently. And I can attest that he has not been good statistically either. Uh, and so, uh, you know, just... And Brock Besser's injury too. He's out, uh, I think, for the entire season at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, very unfortunate. I know they got Tyler Toffoli, but uh, I mean, I mean, still the loss of Besser is still pretty huge for that team. Uh, so you know, we've seen this quite a bit uh, throughout our little segment here, or a large segment, a long segment here. Uh, just these teams, some of these teams have been absolutely rattled uh, by these injuries. And uh, I know Vancouver, not maybe not the sheer number of injuries, but just uh, a couple of very key performers, uh, and it just seems that they've just been treading water without them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So uh, the Nashville Predators. Uh, currently hold the second wild card spot. Uh, very interesting for a team that uh, was looking for like a big disappointment, and I guess many would say still are. Uh, the potential for this team is probably to be at least in a, a divisional spot in the Central Division, but uh, lots of players underachieving. Very questionable coaching choices by by first Peter Laviolette and now new coach John Hines. Uh, Pecorine has been very, very bad this season. UC Saros has overtaken him as the starting goalie. But uh, but there they are right now in a playoff spot. Uh, do you think uh, they're going to be able to hold on to it? I mean, I don't know. But it's just, I mean, looking at the teams that are behind them, I don't, like, not maybe not, behind, like, they're so close that it's, they're practically not behind them. But I, I don't know how much faith I put into the Jets, who are basically just Connor Hellebuck and a bunch of scrubs in front of him. I would never trust the Wild at this point in the season. And, I mean, it's the Coyotes. I know they got Taylor Hall, but they've been struggling all the way through with him on the team. And so, yeah, I have I actually do like Nashville in the second wildcard spot right here. Um, I mean, this story is, for, like, in terms of just their story arc this season, uh, a lot of people had them for dead uh, earlier when they were, like, I don't know, fourth. Uh, or fifth to last in this conference, and and they just looked like they were they just it just wasn't their season. They had their they obviously had Laviolette fired, and I, I, a lot of people were had them as uh, you know done for. Uh, and I, I don't know what it is about John Hines. I mean, I 
I, I still am on the, the the train where I don't think he's a very good coach. I think I don't I don't think Philip Forsberg or Ryan Johansson have had their playing time boost significantly since we last talked about it. Uh, and yeah, it's just the coaching is very questionable. But I think just this team is so talented on paper that I feel uncomfortable not including them into my final projections. Uh, something to keep an eye on with Nashville. On the last day of the regular season, April 4th, they play the Minnesota Wild. So it's very possible that that could be a, a matchup that determines the final wildcard spot, depending on, on how things shake out between now and then. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think, I hope, well, for this projection's sake, that Nashville pulls away, but absolutely. And uh, I, I love playing games at the end of the season, let me tell you. Uh, and uh, I think everybody's eyes will be on that game if it ends up happening. Uh, and uh, yeah, you want to get into Minnesota a bit? Uh, I mean, I, I can't believe they're still treading water at this point. I mean, uh, they fired Boudreaux, very questionable move. Uh, they were doing well, and then they hired, I forget who they hired uh, or who they're Dina coaches Vason. right now. Dina Vason. Right. Right, Dina Vason. And, uh, yeah, they've been doing all right. Uh, they had a nice little stretch a couple weeks ago. Uh, I mean, they had a pretty stinky loss against uh, the Kings, 7-3 the other day. But, uh, I mean, they won seven of the last ten. And, uh, I mean, do you trust this team? I personally don't. Well, trust is, uh, well, no, not really. But uh, I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of pulling for them a little bit because, uh, well, first of all, they've got Alex, Alex Galchenyuk, and I'm always hoping for his success. But even besides that, uh, you might remember, I think from 2013 all the way to 2018, so that is six years in a row, they made the playoffs. Uh, never went very far, never made it past the second round, but they made the playoffs each year uh, very quietly, not much offensive firepower. And uh, last season uh, is when things kind of fell apart with Paul Fenton at the helm, of course, uh, and uh, lots of you know off-ice drama coming to fruition. They tried to trade Jason Zucker many times before Bill Guerin finally did. And it was looking like they were going to, going to be bottom, bottoming out possibly trying to rebuild. They had a terrible start to the season. It was like, oh, yeah, okay, uh, going for Lafreniere this season in Minnesota. but uh, And Bill Guerin didn't make any sort of buying trades. In fact, he, he traded Jason Zucker in a, in a trade that made it seem like they were selling, you know, tanking. Uh, tried to uh, trade Zach Parise. Uh, that didn't come to fruition. He was going to try to trade Miko Koivu, but Koivu didn't want to waive his no-move clause, so there was nothing he could do about that. And they didn't really have any other rental pieces so uh, Bill Guerin is, wasn't trying to make the playoffs. It just so happens that Minnesota is uh, overachieving greatly at this point, especially Kevin Fiala has been very hot lately. Um, so even if Minnesota does happen to make the playoffs, uh, first of all, I don't think they're going to go very far at all. They would almost certainly lose in the first round. Uh, I think Bill Guerin is going to try to continue – a rebuild in the offseason, possibly uh, completing that Zach Parise trade, possibly trading Eric Stahl, who would be going into a contract year, maybe even Brodeen and Dumba. So uh, this is probably quite unexpected that they're so close to a playoff spot. And actually, we're in a playoff spot uh, briefly for a couple days ago. Uh, I'm not sure if I have faith that they're going to, to pull it off, but it's very interesting to watch nonetheless. So so finally, do you, what is your projection for this team? you think they're going to make the playoffs? Oh, my projection, uh, I think they're going to stay very close until the end of the season. But I think I would probably give the wildcard spots to Vancouver and Winnipeg. I think that's my prediction. Okay, so let's get into Winnipeg. 
and uh, I mean, they're they're the first team out of the playoff spot right now. They are tied uh, with both the wildcard teams. Uh, first initial thoughts. I personally think that this team is just Connor Hellebuck and a bunch of scrubs. As I mentioned earlier, I don't have any faith in this player team. Uh, and uh, I think they're going to miss the playoffs. Uh, you say a bunch of scrubs. I think you should probably specify a bunch of scrubs on defense because that forward group is still very dangerous. Uh, Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler, Patrick Laine, Nikolai Ehlers. It's uh, it's one of the best top sixes in the NHL, and they they don't really have that much trouble scoring goals. They uh, they beat the Golden Knights four nothing a couple nights ago. And upcoming schedule, they've got uh, an important game against the Coyotes, who are breathing down their necks. Uh, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Florida, Minnesota over the next two weeks. So not uh, not such a strong schedule, not such a weak one either. And I think that, uh, well, with Connor Hellebuck obviously having a, a Vesna-worthy season, he would probably be my pick. Uh, the, and Ben Bishop and Tuka Rask I would probably have as the runner-up. But Hellebuck, for me, has been uh, one of the, uh, the MVPs in the NHL this season and definitely the best goalie. I think he's going to keep it up, and I think the Jets are going to keep scoring goals and I just I feel like that that team has a uh, some more more swagger than Nashville has I just I get the sense from Nashville with uh you know John Hines playing his stars like 15 minutes a game that uh there's something a little bit uh, a little bit rotten in that dressing room I don't know I just think that what I think Nashville has that swagger actually just because they've uh just they've kind of risen from the dead uh and you talk about Hellebuck uh, you know, as the Vesna winner, and you call them the MVP, one of the MVPs of the league. I think he definitely deserves a heart nomination at this point, maybe even consideration for the winning. Because where is this Winnipeg team without him? I mean, they are so far down, but lower in the standings. I can't even imagine how many points he's won for this team. Uh, just because, I mean, you're right on that front. I probably misspoke when I said bunch of scrubs. Uh, I, I mean, bunch of scrubs on defense. And bunch of scrubs is an understatement, I, understatement, I believe. Uh, just because, I mean, I'm looking at the names here on this list, and I swear to God, I have not heard like half of these guys. Uh, I mean, Nathan <laughs> Bollier, uh, former have, but uh, I, I, I mean, but like he's, look, let me just run down the list right now. Bollier, Beteto, DeMello, Kulikov, Morrissey, Pion, Kuhlman. Uh, those are the guys on the roster right now. And uh, I mean, I know Neil Pionk has been having a career season. Josh Morrissey's been all right. But other than that, I mean, it's just uh, a bunch of dudes. And uh, and I mean, yeah, I, I look, Tucker Pullman sounds made up. Uh, and I sure don't want him on my NHL team. Uh, but that's what Winnipeg's got to deal with. That's what Connor Helbick's got to deal with right now. And so, uh, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, Connor Helbick's been absolutely incredible. But uh, when you rely on your goalie too much like that, I don't think it's I don't think it's good for the stretch, and uh, yeah, that's why I got them outside on the outside looking in uh, by the end of the season. Yeah, well, I feel like if they've been able to hang around so close to the playoffs for this long with that uh, that questionable defensive core, then I, I think they're going to uh, end up passing Nashville. Just a feeling. I feel much more confident in my Western wildcard predictions than I than I do in the East. Okay, uh, I think we'll take one last quick look. Uh, at the last team that we've mentioned, uh, Arizona Coyotes. Now, obviously, the big thing, we even held an emergency podcast about it. They acquired Taylor Hall. He has not been good. He has not been good at all. And, uh, I mean, it's it's a shame for this fan base because, oh, boy, uh, have they been, uh, I mean, struggling, suffering. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it just looks like it's going to be a shame, and I just don't see them making the playoffs at this point. Yeah, even though they're, they're only two points back, uh, since that Hall trade, they have been trending downwards. Uh, 
Yeah, so uh, it's funny because a lot of when the they made the Kessel trade last June, acquired Phil Kessel instantly became you know their marquee forward. It was kind of they were trying to acquire these big name players like Kessel and then Taylor Hall about six months later to try and take the the Coyotes up from obscurity into a team with a couple names that people know. But I feel like actually kind of the the opposite has happened and they've dragged. Phil Kessel and Taylor Hall down to the level where nobody seems to even remember them as stars anymore. So that's a, that's a pretty strong effect, if you ask me. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, and, uh, they, I mean, maybe, maybe Taylor Hall will bring them a lottery win. Who knows? Uh, with his freaking luck. But, uh, yeah, it just it, it sucks. And I, it just seems that Taylor Hall hasn't fit with that team. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, the roster has kind of dragged them down. Uh, and so anything else you want to say about this whole race? Uh, any other teams you want to mention before we kind of wrap it up? It's dragged on a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah, we said deep dive. This has been uh, quite a deep dive, and we still have uh, something else to do. So I think we'll wrap it up on the standings for now. I'm sure there'll be more discussion about it in the, the upcoming weeks. So uh, so Tessie and I have each prepared because we didn't expect to have much to talk about with each other. Uh, some bits of trivia for one another. Uh, would you like to to go first, or would you like me to to ask you my uh, my, my my trivia bit? I've got a more extensive quiz going on, so I think you should go first. All right. Okay, I'll go first. So so in honor of Roberto Luongo, who became the first Florida Panther to get his jersey retired last night, number one, uh, I decided to look into other goalies who have had their their jerseys retired by their teams. So there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 goalies in NHL history who've had their jerseys retired by their teams. Uh, and I think the number I've set for you is 12. If you can name uh, – maybe that's a bit much. I'll go, we'll, go with, we'll go with 11. If you can name 11 of these goalies, uh, then I will say you, you win this quiz. So, so start whenever you're ready. Okay, eleven. All right. Can I? Can I? Does I mean Roberto Luongo? Does that count or, or what's happening? No, he's not on the list. He's, he, actually, sorry, Luongo doesn't count. Luongo was the eighteenth. These are the other seventeen. God damn it! God damn it! Okay, I'm already one down. Uh, and so uh, <laughs> let's 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 freaking go. Let's freaking go. Okay, so a star of the Habs, uh, Patrick Roy, uh, yep. is one of them, right? Yeah. Uh, you have Jacques Plante as well. Correct. Uh, so okay, so we're at two now. Uh, okay, that's that's a fucking good start, I think. Um, uh, <laughs> frick. Okay, this is, this is this is harder than I thought because uh, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not one for uh, I'm not a big uh, hockey history guy, uh, to be totally honest. Uh, and uh, this kind of thing, it's got me uh, all up in a mess. Now let me think about goalies. Uh, you know, looking at this so list now, frick. looking at this list now, I'm thinking maybe I uh, I overestimated your ability. So we could we could uh, walk the number down to. Uh, to to ten if you like or maybe you know what maybe over we'll make half the cutoff so so nine out of seventeen you get more than half you win nine okay all right all right all right so so let's see uh big name legends uh in this game I uh, think back uh Dominic Hasek has to have been retired at least once right correct you're at three six more Okay, okay, okay. So uh, I'm, just going, I'm going through the obvious ones right now. Let me think. Let me think. Uh, okay. Quick. Uh, what Esposito goalie was it? Uh, which one was it that played the goalie? Uh, was it fucking... Yeah. It wasn't... It was Tony, right? Was It, it wasn't Phil. Tony. Was yeah, it Tony? Tony Esposito. Okay. Tony Esposito. Okay. All right. 
All right, let's go. Let's go. So uh, five more. So we're off four now. Uh, okay. Uh, freaking heck. Uh, Grand Fear. Grand Fear, correct. Okay. All right. So I think that uh, that wraps it up on my hockey knowledge. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> let, let, let me fucking think. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Let's 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 go through the teams a bit. Uh, You're missing a hab. So I just thought I'd let you know. Oh, I'm missing a hab. That's yeah. embarrassing. Uh, okay. Frick. Uh, and also, habs. And also, not the hab, but you're also missing a goalie who many would say is the greatest of all time. Okay. Well then, I'm missing the greatest goalie of all time. That's that's fascinating. Okay. So let's let's start with the habs because uh, I probably know them better than anybody. Uh, Okay, uh, okay, uh, so let me just think. Who's been retired on the Habs? So I have Plant, I have Roy. It's probably somewhere in between them, am I right? Like, historically, it's yes. a very big range. Okay, it's between yeah. them, that's good. It's good to know. Uh, so probably... Uh, let me ah, fuck, what's his name? Uh, Ken Dryden? <laughs> Yeah, you got him. Ken Dryden. Ken Dryden. You need three more. So you need three more. Okay, so so greatest goalie of all time. Uh, okay, interesting. So I'm missing a big one here. Um, up and down, looking down. Some would say. Some would say. Okay, so arguably one of the best goalies of all time. Definitely um, top three. Okay. All right. Somewhat, is it older or recent, or do I get any sort of hint at this point? Uh, relatively allowed? recent. Relatively recent. Relatively recent. Marty Brodeur. Is it Marty Brodeur? Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Seven. This is, this is not going to lie. I'm doing better than I thought I would uh, when you presented this question. Uh, yeah, that's where we're at right now. Um, I mean, okay. So so let's, we're going to, to dig deep, we're going to have to really like go team by team at this point, I think. Uh, so historically, Montreal. You said I've I've covered them all. All right. What about the Leafs? Yeah. Now let's look at the Leafs. Uh, they're their second most historic team. Uh, and uh, fuck. Yes, um, there, there are there there are two Leafs on this list actually. Okay. There are two Leafs on this, and I need three. Uh, okay. Uh, hmm. Legendary Leaf goalies. I mean. Oh, wait, wait, wait! Frick. You're only wait. How many you're missing? I think you're only missing two now, right? Oh, I'm only missing. Two. That's fantastic. Okay, sure. I'm missing two. Uh, then uh, unless I've been tracking it wrong. Uh, I don't know. I I haven't been tracking. I've just been too busy focusing on uh, who the heck's up. Uh, yeah, you only you okay. Got two left. Okay, Leafs. Um, let me think. Okay, I've read I've read Leafs books already. Uh, so I can. Curtis Joseph. No. No. Okay. Unfortunate. Uh, Wrong. Johnny Bauer. Yes, Johnny Bauer. Okay. All right. Good job. All right. All, all right. right. All right. Need one more. One more player. One more. And it's the hardest one because I've run through all the ones I know, basically. Uh, yeah. Can I get a hint? Because I am so beyond lost at this point. I don't know where to start. All right. Uh, so do you want me to give you like a specific hint about one goalie? Sure. Shoot it. All right. Uh, one of these one of these goalies was the Islanders goalie during their their dynasty years in the eighties. And he's probably a pretty big name too. If he's like the dynasty goalie, right? 
Is he? Uh, well, definitely, definitely the Islanders world. He's a legend. But uh, this name, is, it must be somewhere in the deep recesses of your mind. Okay. Uh, hmm. Oh, or I, I can give you a couple other hints about a couple other goalies if you want. Sure, please. I, 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 okay. I oblige. Okay, one, okay. Of the, one of these goalies... One of these goalies was the Flyers goalie when they won their cups in 74 and 75. Another one of these goalies holds the record for the uh, the most consecutive uh, games played for a goalie with, I think, about like 502. Fuck. That's that's a lot of fucking games. Uh, yeah. And uh, not a lot of names coming to mind. Uh, let me think. Okay, okay. Uh, so I don't think that Flyers goalie is coming to me anytime soon. Uh Okay, and we're talking Islanders goalies, maybe. Uh, it's not Glenn Healy, is it? Uh, it's not Glenn Healy, but uh, the name is actually pretty close to Glenn Healy. Uh, okay, all right. So probably Glenn. So is is it? Is start with the G? Yes. Okay. Um, you're you're extremely close ooh. to the Iron Man goalie. The Iron Man goalie. Yeah. He played for for the Blackhawks in like the 40s and 50s, I think, or maybe the 60s, maybe a couple other teams. Yes, his his first name is Is Glenn. (laughs) Fucking Christ. All right, all right. It's not Glenn Healy, and it's supposed to sound like Glenn Healy. What the fuck sounds like Glenn Healy that starts with Glenn? Glenn H. Glenn yes, Hall. Glenn. Yay! You did it. Oh, Glenn Hall. All right, nine. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm done here. Just give me the rest of the answers. Uh, I'm totally spent on this one. All right. Uh, the Islanders goalie is Billy Smith. The Flyers goalie is Bernie okay. Perrant. The other guys are Turk Ooh. Broda, Turk Broda, Eddie Jackman, Mike Richter, Terry Sawchuk. Roji Vachon and Mike Vernon. Okay. I know a few of those names. Terry Sawchuk, probably chief among them. But uh, not going to lie, pretty proud of this guy right here. Uh, solid quiz question. And uh, okay, that's a pretty big dub. Okay. So uh, All right. I've got something a bit more recent for my quiz right here. I'm actually, uh, we're going to hop into the time machine for this one. And uh, okay. I think it's pretty appropriate given that we just went big time into those standings. Uh, we're actually going to go back exactly one year to March 8th, 2019. And courtesy of SherpSports.com, I have the standings pulled up from last year. And uh, I've got a bunch of quiz questions uh, about this. I want to see how good is your memory about the stre- the, the playoff stretch last year at this point in the season. Uh, okay. And uh, I haven't made it hard. So I think the passing rate at this point, uh, we'll call a four. Okay, four. I've got seven questions. Uh, so we got more than half of them. I think this is it. You know what? Well, we'll put it at five. We'll maybe a good bit of go. We'll go ambitious, but four oh, yeah. isn't an absolute. Uh, so we're going to go that. We're going to start off with a couple easy ones at this point. Uh, who was the President's Trophy uh, leading team at this point in the season? All right. Well, I remember the team that ended up winning the President's Trophy, and I believe that they held on to that spot for basically the entire season. So I'm going to buzz in the Tampa Bay Lightning. You are correct. Uh, one for one. And uh, I'm going to try right. to make these progressively harder as we go. Uh, so okay. uh, how about the worst team in the NHL? 
Uh, all right. The, the team that ended up finishing last was the Senators, and I can't think of a reason to believe why they, they wouldn't have been there a month before, so I'm going to go with the Ottawa Senators. You are correct. Uh, all right, two for two. All, of, all year. All right, so a bit more ha- – because this is a Habs podcast. Got to gotta ask a Habs question. Of Were course, the Habs course. in a playoff spot last year? Three hundred. <sighs> All right. Uh, this one, this one's tough because they were in a spot for most of the season, and then they fell behind the Hurricanes and the Blue Jackets, and then they were chasing them for oh man. So if they weren't in a spot, then they were very close. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with no. They were not in a playoff spot. Sorry to say, you made your first mistake today. Uh-oh. Uh, they weren't. They were tied with Carolina for the first wildcard team. They were in the second wildcard spot uh, pretty firmly. I think they were three points up uh, on Columbus at that point in the season. And so, uh, okay, two for three, two for three. Uh, Moving on, moving on. So you mentioned the President's Trophy winner at that point in the season, Tampa. Uh, So let's look at the Western Conference. Who is winning the Western Conference? Uh, The winner of the West was Calgary, and I feel like they had a pretty big lead. So I'm going to go with Calgary. Okay, I, I thought I thought I didn't know you remember that Calgary was doing so well last year, uh, and you're absolutely right. Calgary is yep. the first place uh-huh. team, uh, and uh, so solid, good call. And uh, so now we're gonna get a bit. I gave you some uh, some pretty easy questions there. Uh, so let's let's move into the harder spectrum. Uh, you've gotten Uh-oh. three for four so far, so I'm gonna try to try to tank you a little bit. Uh, so St. Louis Blues, great story last year, won the Stanley Cup uh, from last place in the league in January. Well, where were they at this point in the season? And you don't have to give me exactly where they were. I would like to know, were they winning their division? Were they in a division spot? Were they in a wildcard spot? Or were they not in the playoffs at all? Okay. Uh, they ended up, I believe, third in the Central. And considering the fact that they had been trending upwards heavily since January, uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, wild card spot. I'm sorry to say that they were uh-huh. already third in the central at that wow. point of the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, they had a good stretch, but they were already in a play- firmly in the playoff spot at that point in the season. Uh, so yep. that's your second mistake. You are three for five at this point. You better collect a point in these uh, next two questions. Not going to lie, among the two hardest ones uh, by design. All right, Uh-oh. so. Ooh. Which team? And if you want, I will allow you to ask for um to make it a multiple choice for one of these two. And what? So they're both they're very similar questions. So I'll give you them. It's who compared to this season right now, the standings as they stand on March eighth. Actually, don't count last night's game because I prepared this quiz last night. So do not count <laughs> last night's games. Uh, okay. Who has the biggest drop? In points, and the other question is going to be who has the biggest rise in points uh, compared to 366 days ago. Days ago, and you, I will allow you to make one of them a multiple choice. Uh, the other one, I would like you to guess guess out of the 31. Am I allowed to pull up this year's standings? Uh, no, because we just spent 45 minutes on uh, just looking at them. So, uh, okay. I, I'm going to ask you not this year's standings as they stand today. Okay, I suppose that's fair. Uh, one team immediately comes to mind for biggest drop uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with that one first i i think the san jose sharks have the biggest drop 
Wow. Okay. Right on the money. Uh, I thought you might have been by either Tampa Bay, who've dropped 17 points, or Detroit, who have dropped 21. Uh, But in fact, it is San Jose, uh, who have dropped a stunning 26 points since uh, how they they were last year. Uh, And so, yeah, on the money, good job. Uh, For biggest rise, I'm guessing you would like the multiple choice options? Yes, please. Okay, so I'll 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 make I'll give you three options. Uh, so out of the three, we have in no particular order: Philadelphia Flyers, Colorado Avalanche, or Vancouver Canucks. So one of these three teams had the biggest jump in points from last year. Correct. Uh, all right. Uh, last year, the the Canucks ended up finishing uh well they had the 10th picks they were around 10th last uh the avalanche were in the second wild card spot and now they're second in the division uh the flyers are now uh second well tied for first in the metro last year they were very close to a playoff spot um hmm, which of these teams jumped them none of them i feel like none of them are none of them drop none of them Jumped as much as the Sharks dropped, definitely. Uh, man. Uh, I'm going to go with... I've got to think about this carefully because right now I'm sitting at sitting at four for six. So this, this would be my, my five out of seven marker. And uh, I'm not very confident in any of these these answers. Uh, I'm going to go with Philadelphia. That's, that's, that's my gut. Am I right? Okay. Uh, well, let's go through the teams. All right. Ah. Uh, you correctly discounted Vancouver. Now, uh, Vancouver, they were, they have jumped 11 points uh, since last year. Uh, so not nearly as much as these, fir- these first place two teams here. Uh, Philadelphia and Colorado. Uh, I will admit this was very challenging just based on the fact that the, they've, they've, one has jumped 17. The other has jumped 18 points. And so extremely This is the stupidest trivia and, question I've ever heard. What? <laughs> One might say borderline unfair, uh, but I don't oh, give a no. shit. Um, so <laughs> you guessed Philadelphia. Did they ride 17 or 18 points? The answer is they only did 17. I'm sorry to say. Oh, oh. Right. God damn it. Went up 18. Admittedly, this is kind of a dumb question. You're right. But I don't give a crap. Oh, wow. This is standing takedown from one year ago. Uh, and uh, there we go. That's it. Uh, four for seven. I'm re- I'd say I'm regretting not making you name all seventeen of those goalies. So, yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. Probably that's probably fair given this question, but uh, too late now. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Oh, well. Uh, so uh, I, I'd say you did a pretty good job there, four out of seven. Uh, your logic you. was uh, pretty sound, pretty sound, especially on that biggest drop. I was ex- fully expecting you to go uh, Detroit or Tampa, but you went straight for the San Jose, straight for the kill. Uh, so yeah, yeah they, they were they were great place. last season and now they suck. So so that's that's the whole yeah. idea. Detroit was very bad last year too, just not quite this bad. That's true. That's true. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I should have made it even harder. Uh, but uh, okay, all right. I think that wraps it up for this episode. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. So that's great. Uh, lots of fun today with that little quiz. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, so you know. The usual, subscribe, tell your friends about this podcast, Google Play, all the stuff, you know, Apple Podcasts, Podbean app, if you do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so thanks for listening. Uh, 
We're probably going to make a decision on the standings thing somewhat soon. So, you know, if you have any ideas, send them our way. Uh, yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, hopefully mm-hmm. the halves will be tanking. Uh, that'll make me happy. And uh, yeah, solid stuff. Bye.